The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Hello, everyone. This is Rob Golfie with Remax, the Golfie team. Welcome to the Golfie Real Estate Show Hamilton edition with host Rick Zamprin. Yes, welcome one and all once again to the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton edition on 900 CHML. Rick Zamprin here, Rob Golfy there. Rob is a sales representative with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfy team. You know him, you've seen him online at robgolfy.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. You can call the number one real estate team in uh, terms of Remax in Canada, and that is the Golfy team, 905-575-7700. Check them out on social media. TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the Golfy team is everywhere. And you can also get an instant home estimate by going online to golfyhomevalue.com. We have a an armada of topics to get to today, and hopefully we'll get to them all, including a listener question about uh, the asking price and uh, now the decision that they have to make. We're going to talk about Ontario taking a bite out of the green belt in order to build more homes. We'll talk about uh, the importance of talking to some neighbors when you're out scouting for a new house. And we'll begin the day with uh, a lot of things that are happening on uh, the golfy team's radar, including what was a very busy week. What's going on? Yeah, so um, uh, well, I'll talk about the, the showing instructions, so, but, uh, the, like um, the appointment center. But I wanted to talk about, uh, so we've been building a, uh, a Christmas float. Uh, for the parades that are coming up. And there's one uh, on Saturday today at uh, in Niagara Falls that we're, we've entered into. So so as I'm getting it all ready, and I, I, I sent you some pictures of the float and uh, just to give you an idea of what we got going on. And uh, so, t- so uh, this week I get an email of all the instructions and everything that we need to do, you know, for, for, for the float. And they were giving us like, uh, you know, you can't hand out anything uh, during the parade. So I ordered 3,500 cookies. <laughs> <laughs> so I jumped the gun a little bit too quick. I should have asked first. And But this is the first year they're not allowing um, uh, stuff that you can hand out to kids while you're uh, walking on the float. And the reason why, and this is just Niagara Falls, but we're also going to be in the Hamilton, the Sony Creek, and the Grizzly Parade. And we were supposed to be in Burlington, but I had a... Uh, a family uh, function that I had to tend to for the Burlington one. So we're going to miss Burlington this year, but we'll be in next year. But so they gave us the, the height requirements of the float, like mm-hmm. the total height from the, from the ground. And I'm like, Oh boy, I'm, I'm higher than that flight requirement, that height requirement. And, uh, and now we can't give, uh, you know, anything away. And now Niagara Falls has that, but not all, all the other cities do, but, but I ordered 3,500 <laughs> cookies <laughs> <laughs> and you know we're labeled in there you know and they were from a, a company uh that makes um shortbread cookies in niagara falls they're called crevel cakes there they uh, a lot of a lot of people may know especially niagara falls people mm-hmm. and they do a lot of cakes for weddings and stuff so so i'm so but i'm hoping that we can use these cookies at the other parade <laughs> uh, i'm praying i'm praying i'm praying but anyway so i call the coordinator and I said to her, I go, I don't think I can, I, I, I don't think I can be in this parade this year. I said, I don't meet the height requirement. I says, I, I, I says, I built it high enough that we know we can go under bridges. It's no higher than a transport truck. Mm-hmm. Oh, she goes, oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. I'm like, oh, 
was like, I'm thinking, there's no way we're going to have in time to cut a foot off this, uh, <laughs> off this house that uh, I just had built. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I was like, you know, this week I was like, frust- not frustrated, but scared mm-hmm. that I'm not going to be able to, to do this parade. So, so we're looking forward to it. We got about 20 of our team members that are going to be in this, in the, in this Niagara Falls parade that's on, uh, on, uh, the 12th of, uh, which is today in, uh, in Niagara Falls. And then, uh, we got all different members that are, are attending all the different parades, uh, which is going to be awesome. We're looking forward to it. It's our first parade. The first one's always the toughest one because you're, you're learning different things. But uh, if we have to take a foot off the roof, it won't be a peaked roof anymore. It'll look like a barn roof. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but otherwise, it's, uh, it, it, it's a lot of fun. We're having fun. So yeah. we're doing, uh, uh, it, it, uh, it's, it's good. It's good, you know, get together with the family and we're putting it together. So, yeah, so the, it's the, all good. So we're, the, we're enjoying it. We're enjoying it. The float looks fantastic, number one. But number two, who designed it? How did, you, how did this all come together? So I, I, I went online, I, I just Googled, you know, uh, Christmas parade floats uh, or real estate parade floats and stuff like that. So I designed, I did the p- picket fence. I seen some of them have picket fences and I seen them have roof styles. And uh, so I just kind of put it together and I gave the idea to the guy that's going to, was building the, the house for me, the little house on top of the flatbed. So I kind of did everything myself. And then you're not going to believe this, right? I bought lights for this thing. I put them up and then I'm taking pictures of it. And I'm noticing if you buy the white lights, the bright white, Mm -hmm. you don't see them in the the daytime when you take pictures. Right. So originally I I ended up buying lights that had warm color. Like they were like, like they have like a little bit of a a, a brownish like color uh, bulb on it. I've got those. I was upset. I go, I got the wrong bulbs. I wanted the white ones. I get the white ones. I put them up and I go, I can't see it when you take a picture. (laughs) But then, but the the ones, the the brown ones that I bought, like they're not brown. They're like, they're called warm lights, warm lights. The ones I bought, when I took a picture, I could see in the picture, all those lights. (laughs) So then I take off all the lights. I, then I go by the warm, they're called the warm lights, warm lights, uh, warm as a W A R M. And I buy those and put those up and I'm, I'm changing I'm buying lights and taking lights back and, and all, it's just, it's, it's, it, I didn't realize it was going to be that much work to do this uh, float, but it's, uh, but we're, 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 uh, there was a lot, a lot of stories on this float that, uh, you know, and, and my wife's going, what are you doing? I go, I, I, I put a garland around it and then I took it off. I said, put icicles now. <laughs> and so every time I, so I, I Canadian Tire saw me go, come and, and come back and return some stuff and buy more and come back. And so, but it's all there. It's all, it's all good. Well, it looks good. The pay, the payoff is good. That is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it, uh, it, it's, uh, it'll be good. There's, there's 80, I think 84 floats. We're number 21 for the Niagara Falls. Oh, wow. So that's pretty, big I guess, parade. uh, I guess the new members are closer to the front. And uh, the veterans are closer to the back. Right. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know how they organize it. Maybe by alphabet. But anyway, just uh, let's get back. The appointment center. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so year over year, uh, the appointment center is like 36.8% down in, in appointments uh, in the past week from uh, October 30th to uh, November 5th. Um, and I know that because normally, I'm going to tell you something, normally... The end of the month, 
Well, November 30th is the end of the month, but normally is usually busy, but all of a sudden it's, it's turned opposite uh, in, in this market. Uh, usually in a busy market, we find the beginning of the month, you know, it's a little bit sluggish and then whammo, it, it, it just for the last two weeks of the month, you get, you know, the business was good in a, in a, in a thriving, fast paced market. But now in the, in the market that we're in, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's slower at the end of the month and, uh, you know, it's the opposite, but, um, but yeah, I, we have a lot of people frustrated out there. They, they bought houses over a year ago, brand new with the builder. And they're all starting to come up, uh, finished now. And so these people are having their houses for sale now, thinking that their house was worth two, three hundred thousand dollars more. Hmm. There is uh, a lot of uh, panic, a lot of um, people that are, uh, you know, upset. Not upset with realtors, just upset in the market. And some people don't qualify; they can't even close. They can't, they, they, you know, because the banks. Their expectation of what they were going to get for their house and what they were buying for is just not matching what what uh, what it was a year ago or over a year ago. So um, I'm sure a lot of builders, uh, you know, they're having houses that they have to resell now uh, themselves, and people are losing their deposits, and uh, and it, and, it's, and it's tough. It's a tough situation, you know. Is part of the problem in this that we know that retailers have stretched their Christmas shopping season? to start way earlier than normal. Like we were seeing Christmas things in August, really, uh, certainly throughout September and, and throughout October, because they know that consumers are trying to stretch their dollars. So this Christmas shopping season has been stretched um, by extension. Does that also impact the real estate market? Because people might be into the Christmas shopping uh, mood, if you will. And we know around Christmas, it is kind of traditionally slower for home sales. Do you think that at all has an impact that the frame of mind of the people out there are, I got to stretch my dollar, you know, Christmas is coming up. It's the biggest holiday of the season in terms of shopping, uh, you know, uh, purchasing a home or putting my home on the market right now is not a priority. Is that the sense that you get? I, I don't get that sense. I think the sense is more that people are going to be a little bit tighter with their wallet uh, through Christmas because of the interest rates. Uh, that's what I feel. Right. Um, I, I think the housing sales, uh, the people that really have to move, uh, that need to move, are putting their house up for sale. And the people that need to buy, they're buying them. Now, everybody else that wanted to move, like maybe some people want to go into a bigger house, upgrade to a larger home or, or vice versa or, or whatever, um, they are holding off and waiting. So, um, we're getting, but un until we, you know, land where we're supposed to land in the market, um, that's when you're going to see the market move, you know, kind of moderately. But right now, um, it, there's so much, it's not uncertainty, but just kind of like un unsureness, the same thing, I guess, that where the market's going. And that's why people are just kind of sitting back and waiting. Now, all those people sitting back waiting, they're all going to come into the market at the same time. So the thing is, when the mass people are, if there's a fork in the road and the mass take the left instead of the right, and then you see the one or two go to the right, those are the ones that are going to benefit. Mm -hmm. And because everybody always follows the mass, but the mass, what's going to happen is you're going to see an abundance of people jump into the market all at the same time. And that's when people think, you know, everything, there's no recession, things are going to be back to normal. It'll just be a spur moment. It'll be about two or three weeks and then it'll die off after that.
Interesting times ahead uh, and right now in the real estate market. But if you want to get your home sold in this market, you got to call the Golfie team. It is the number one REMAX team in Canada, 905-575-7700, online, robgolfi.com. When we come back, we're going to talk about realtors, more and more of them leaving the business, and why it's important to talk to your neighbors when you're out scouting for a house in a certain neighborhood. That and more coming up here on the Golfie Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. A house in the middle of a street. A Welcome back to the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. My name's Rick Samprin. Pleased to be joined once again by Rob Golfy, sales representative with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfy team. Online, the website is robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. Follow the Golfie team on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. And if you want to get your home sold for top dollar in this wild and wacky market, you got to call Hamilton and Burlington's number one REMAX team in volume and unit sales, 905-575-7700. Some of the things we're going to touch on later on in the show uh, include the green belts and how the provincial government is taking a chunk out of the green belts to build some more homes. And also got uh, a really interesting question from a listener that we'll get to later on in the show. But let's talk about realtors leaving the industry and receiving more and more of them do so. You, uh, for the last little while, have been calling out to realtors saying, hey, come join the golfy team instead of leaving. Uh, but we're seeing more and more leaving the industry. What's going on? Yeah, there's, uh, you know what, the expectation of uh, what the industry is saying that 30% of the realtors will be leaving the industry within the year from now. Uh, uh, when, they're, when they're licensing or their board fees are due and, uh, and, and that's when they're going to make their decision of opting to get out. Um, a, lot of, a lot of these realtors, they did, like there's a lot of realtors that got in the business in the last two, two and a half years. So they haven't seen a tough market. Mm-hmm. They haven't seen it. So they don't know um, how it is to rough it out when you, you know, like uh, realtors, you know, they're doing 15, 20 transactions a year uh, prior to this year, uh, you know, are making a decent living, really good living. But now uh, those realtors are only doing maybe three to four or five transactions and they can't survive on that. And, and the cost to run their business is very expensive. So, so we're, 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 we're letting, uh, we've, we've got, uh, been talking to a lot of realtors, especially veteran realtors, seasoned realtors. And, uh, they're looking at the option of joining a team just because of the fact that they don't have to worry about expenses. Uh, the marketing is pretty well done and, and the brand is there. So we're, uh, we're getting that. And, but, but yeah, no, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of change happening in the industry, not only just in real estate with interest rates and, but also the people that are in the industry, uh, there's a whole whole shift happening. But so I mean, if you're a realtor looking at uh, 
you know, want to see what we're about, check us out. Give us a call. I mean, a copy and 20 minutes and we can tell you all about it. I got to believe if you're a realtor out on your own, especially that it is increasingly difficult in these times. Oh, it is. It is. Especially now that uh, there's a lot of teams out there and people are building teams, a lot of realtors and, um, and they have way more to offer than uh, sometimes the individual agent does. And, and it's hard for them to compete against uh, the, the, the team aspect of things. So people call us and say, Hey, uh, we'd like you to take, we'd like, we'd like to interview you and we show them everything that we do. And then if they call an individual, well, they don't have all the tools uh, and processes that we have. And, and that's, and a lot of times the teams end up picking up the uh, business from people. And, and, and I, I get it. Like, I mean, uh, it, it is tough to compete against the team and an individual agent. And, and I get it. Uh, but it, 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 that's showing you the changing times and how they are now. 25 years ago when I got in this business, um, everybody was an individual. There's very few teams out there and it, people didn't care whether you're a team or an individual. They just cared about who you were. And now there's, it's a little bit more savvy. So people are, are definitely want to check out, uh, uh, the teams, uh, because of their, uh, strength and because of the reach that they can, uh, can get, uh, the client. I know there's a lot of competition within a team, right? Like many, many members of the golfie team are trying to be the top seller of the month or the year, whatever the case is. How much sharing is there within a team aspect? Is there, is there a lot of that? Knowing that, you know, if you help someone on your team, you're going to help the business as a whole. Yeah, there, there is a lot of sharing. We can, we're very open. Like let's say if, uh, if somebody's going to an appointment, we can, we can divulge the address uh, to the appointment because nobody's going to steal that because it's, we're all working together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, no, uh, the help here on the team, uh, the agents helping each other is incredible. Um, uh, we all support each other. We all help each other out. Uh, a lot of times if somebody, you know, has a, a wedding or, or a funeral or, or whatever function they have to attend to, we always have somebody in our team that can, uh, fill in for that person if they need to show homes or deal with any offers. Uh, we, we have, we have the, the, the support like you would not believe. I was going to leave this towards the end of the show, but maybe seeing that we've just got done talking about the local market, maybe get into the question that um, one of the listeners has supplied to us. Uh, simply put, it says, Dear Rob, we've been on the market for three months and have dropped our asking price a couple of times. We just got a really low offer and don't want to sign it back. Uh, this is probably a scenario that you've seen many times over the last few weeks. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, you know, when feeling, when feelings are raw, it's, it's not uncommon for a disappointed seller to be unwilling to sign back a low ball offer. Selling a home is a business transaction in theory, but it's also highly personal. Uh, I often warn buyers that submitting a low ball offer can trigger an emotional backlash, uh, in the, in the seller that could ultimately hurt their uh, chances of buying the home. Uh, when the seller's feelings are hurt, they may overreact or refuse to react at all and choose not to respond with a sign back. Um, like, because it happens all the time and you might hurt your chances even getting that, that house even down the road. Let's say if you did put a low offer in now and they react, uh, they react and they're upset with you. And then when they do drop their price to a lower price and when you go back, they're not going to even want to deal with you because they were hurt how you made them feel when you put that offer in. It could be two weeks ago or, or a month ago. 
But buyers are often afraid of overpaying, and that's why they're putting low offers and unsure of what prices should be. While sellers are uh, laminating what they could have had a few months ago, experience is the key to navigating these volatile waters. A buyer's agent needs to guide their client to the right price so they're not overpaying or offering the seller. A seller's agent needs to keep emotions in check. I've negotiated hundreds of lowball offers and, and into good ones, and any of these might uh, have gone uh, uh, astray if motions were allowed. Emotions are the biggest thing when dealing with an offer and you have to learn uh, how to deal with it. And a good agent will know how to deal with that. Uh, sometimes there's agents that are, 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 uh, they get too emotional and, and that's why agents shouldn't sell their own house. They, they hurt their own deals because they get emotional because it's their house. And also not only that, they're the realtor of their own house. And when a low ball offer comes in, they get all crazy and everything. <laughs> So agents are the worst. Agents are the worst sellers of their own house. They are. <laughs> I, I did sell my own house years ago, and boy, I, I I listened to my kids, and I told I'm not sure if you remember the story, and I should have got went with my own gut feeling yeah. on that one. I I went with a higher price, and I said no, no, no. I think it's this price, but and but anyway. But that emotional so that I emotional with, uh, you know uh, connection is real because you've lived in the home, you have a certain sense of what it's worth, you have a certain sense of what you can get for it. Um, and when you don't see that number, because that's, you know, the be all and end all in these negotiations, um, yeah, the, the, you know, the backlash is real or the, the, the pushback is real. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, and you got to keep your emotions out of it and that's what makes the deals together. And that's why selling a house privately does sometimes cost you a lot of money. And, uh, you know, so you got to be very, very careful, uh, when you're, when, uh, buying or even selling a house, you got to watch the emotions. That's it. Not only does it cost you a lot of money, it, it's going to cost you a lot of consternation and stress and anxiety and the, the mental health part of it, which is doesn't really have a value on it, is is valuable because that, that really pushes you to the limits, of course. Uh, let's uh, switch oh, gears yeah. and talk about, and you know, I wish I had done this when I was searching for a home for the simple fact that I thought it would be a little more enlightening in my home buying journey. It turns out, you know, we're, we're in an awesome neighborhood. Our neighbors are tremendous, but it, it is important for a home seeker to talk to the neighbors of the house that you're looking at buying and if anything uh you know at least get a home inspection but let, let's talk about the talking to the neighbors bit again you know we looked at neighbors or next door neighbors when we were looking for um our house and you know it, it kind of passed the the uh, the smell test if you will the the sight test everything looked okay um, but you know, looking back, I probably would have wished I talked to the neighbors just to get their two cents on the whole scenario. Um, your thoughts on the importance of talking to neighbors. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's not just the neighbor on either side across the street because neighbors will tell you about the neighborhood, um, whether it's good, bad, uh, they'll tell you about different things and you, and you have to take it with a grain of salt. Now you can't take every word they're saying because right you don't know the relationship that they have with that neighbor that's selling. Maybe uh, they don't like that neighbor, but they don't want him to benefit on selling. They want him, that neighbor to, you know, to be there so that they can still crucify him and, 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 and giving him a hard life and, and a rotten life. But, uh, but neighbors do talk for some reason they spill um, and, and they'll tell you about what's happened in that house. And the older the neighbor they are the longer that they've probably been in that neighborhood and they'll tell you everything that's going on. Um, and you will find out things that 
that you cannot find out by walking through a house. You'll find out things that, uh, that happened maybe 20, 30 years ago uh, on this property. So talking to the neighbors is a good thing, but, and, but also a, a, a good, a good realtor also, you know, walking through can see signs of little different things and, 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 and everything else. Now the attic is the most important thing that you should look at when buying a house. And even if you don't have a home inspection, that is one that you should be looking at. Um, it, because it tells a lot of stories. The attic tells a lot of stories. The attic might tell the story that you have a rodent infestation. Absolutely. And so here's a story that you, I, I couldn't believe it when I, uh, when I, when I saw it, uh, uh, Rick. So there was this house in, in the North end of Hamilton, uh, near Kenilworth area, North, North end. Anyway, um, apparently there is a rodent rat issue in that area. Okay. So now this house was sold and the, uh, these aren't my buyers. These aren't my buyers, but these people bought this house, but the sellers, they cleaned up the house enough that you could not see any sign of, uh, rodents. But, um, so anyway, so, you know, it looked good. They put new laminate flooring in, it's painted, everything lips. It's very nice. These people move in and they've got, and I don't know how, if it got worse as they moved in and didn't do anything about it, or it was bad already. I'm sure it was bad already, but when, by the time they actually got to it to deal with it, it, it was too late. But these guys have rats running around the house and not afraid of the, the new owners. <laughs> wow. And that like, they, they actually saw they were, they were, when they, they put their oven on and they couldn't turn it on because it, it wasn't working and they pull it out and, it, and, and the wire was chewed up. <laughs> and so they had to throw it out and they, and they're, and they're seeing uh, a rat dragging a loaf of bread across the room in front of them. Oh, wow. Like, like it's really bad. It was really bad. I think the sellers of this property knew they had this problem, did not disclose and, uh, and they, and this, this, I, I told them you have to legally go after these people. And I said, go to your neighbors, talk to them. And cause you're the new neighbor that moved in and talk to them and ask them, did they know about this rodent issue? And if they did, that means the homeowner did also, and did not disclose this. And now the insurance company, they did go to the insurance company and the insurance company says, well, you're not upkeeping your house. So we're not covering you. And I'm like, oh boy. Wow. So these people have a house. It is so bad that their kids have uh, bed bugs from the from the, the rodents that are coming in, and it's disgusting. And I'm trying to figure a way how to help these guys out. They called me, and uh, so I I I I gave them, uh, you know, where they can contact the 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 sellers of this place so that they can, you know, take legal action on these people. Um, it, 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 like I saw pictures, Rick, you would be sick and I'm sure there's other people going through this, uh, in different parts of whatever cities, you know, Hamilton, Burlington, Brantford, Nag or wherever, uh, I'm sure like rodents, you can't get rid of them. But the one thing is, um, you got to prevent them from coming in anymore. And, uh, I don't know. The only thing that this house needs right now is a match to burn it because <laughs> to get rid of these things, you have to gut it. You have to gut this whole house and then you got to start sealing it off. And I feel sorry for these people. Um, I hope 
they do put a uh, uh, get a lawyer and get a, a lawsuit against these people. But the rodents, they're bad. And there's different parts of Hamilton that have a lot of rodents. And uh, it, that's why it's good and always important to talk to neighbors. And they'll tell you uh, if, if there's problems. And, uh, you, know, there's, you know, I'm not sure if you've ever seen a rat. Right? Yes. Have you ever seen a live rat? I've had, yes, I've seen a live rat. In fact, I'll, you know what? I'll save this story for after the break because I was up close and got very personal with a rat uh, around my home a couple of summers ago. And uh, it's been taken yeah. care of. I'll leave it at that. But I'll, I'll get into the story when we come back here. We're also going to talk about burial sites or cemeteries and how there are some responsibilities for property owners that encounter those. And taking a bite out of the green belt, how the Ontario government is doing so to build more homes in this province. You're listening to the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Welcome back. You're listening to the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Rob Golfy, sales representative, Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfy team. You can call the first ever real estate team in Hamilton to sell 1,000 homes in a year. That's the Golfy team. They'll get your home sold 905 575 7700 online robgolfie.com that's rob g-o-l-f-i.com if you have a topic idea or a question for the golfie team that you would like answered on a future program send them an email questions at robgolfie.com they're all over social media as well tiktok instagram twitter and facebook so earlier before the break we were talking about rodents and rats and yes i i've come close and uh, very personal with a rat um, so I was outside, this is about, uh, I would say three, four summers ago, 2018-ish. I'm in the backyard and we're going to be barbecuing, whatever, I don't know, hot dog steaks, whatever the case was. I open up the barbecue and lo and behold, there is a rat on the grill. And it, wow. uh, yeah, I had my, um, you know, the barbecue scraper in hand to scrape off all the goods that was on the grill from the previous cookout. And the rat had already done that. And so the rat had a great lunch and was off to the races. There was no way I was getting this rat, but it scared the heck out of me because, I mean, that's the last thing you expect to see on your barbecue when you open it up. Oh, there's, you know, Rascal the Rat. So he takes off. Months later, I'm in my garage and I'm seeing garbage all over the place. You know, you put your garbage bag in the garage and it's getting all chewed up and all the, you know, chicken bones that are in the garbage or, you know, snack packages are all over the place. I'm like, what is happening? It must be the rat. And lo and behold, it was the rat. But I did not know that we got the rat until about two years later when we were renovating our top floor and we got one of those bins, put it in the garage. I put it on the driveway. I'm in the garage kind of cleaning it up. And I, with a shovel, scooping up all this, you know, garbage in the, in the garage that I had. uh, And I tossed it into the bin and I see the carcass of the rat 
which had been poisoned by the company that I brought in to catch this rat. Uh, oh, they got it good. That is for sure. So the rat is no more. And uh, thankfully, the rat had no friends. So uh, RIP, Rascal the Rat, but he's no more. But yeah, it can be a serious wow. issue because you get one and all of a sudden you get a lot more, right? Oh, yeah. And and, and it's a big issue. And, and some areas uh, of Hamilton, it is so bad that you can, it, like, if you, if you don't take control of it right away, you, these guys will take over your house yeah. and then, then you're done. That, that house is, is garbage. Yeah. And so you got to be very, very careful, uh, on, uh, on, on making sure you don't get these, these rats in your house. And that's the key thing is you got to look for signs. You got to look for signs when, you know, when you're walking through the house, if you mm -hmm. see any traps around, uh, and, and all that kind of stuff. But like, I, I know home inspections, they do find things like this. And that brings me, to, that brings me to, to now where that I think now the, after seeing these people with these rats and I feel sorry for them, but, I, but I think that if you're going to hold offers, hold offers on a house, I think a home inspection is, should be mandatory to have in, in place for the buyer to look at before mm -hmm. they su submit an offer and go into competition with, because there's like these people, they bought this house for 200,000 above asking. They paid six, over $600,000 for this house. And they, wow. and they, and the price was like five, I think, uh, four, uh, 450,000. So now these people, one, they overpaid in the high market mm -hmm. and now they got a house that's infested with rats that they can't control anymore. Um, they, they've called, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, a pest control company. And yeah. now it's, it's beyond them. So, so I think, uh, you know, if you're going to hold offers on a house, there should be a mandatory home inspection and, uh, and that protects the consumer, uh, from, uh, buying something that could be a uh, detriment. So now if I know there's rodents in this house and I'm in competition, I am the one that understands that I take the risk in buying this house that may have rodents in it. Mm -hmm. So whether it's one rodent or 500 rodents, I know that there's rodents in this house and I, and, and at least I, I'm aware of it, but I think, I think that should be in place. Um, and, uh, because people have bought a lot of houses this year where they couldn't do a home inspection because of the multiple offer situation and the way the market was. And there's a lot of people got stuck with homes that they probably wouldn't have bought if they known, uh, it had certain problems in yeah. it. Uh, I know we've got to go here. We only got about a minute, but just to, to, to end off the rat story, I thought I had outsmarted the rat by hiding, you know, our garbage bag. I put it in a blue box and then I put another blue box on top of the bag. So there was no way this rat was going to get into the garbage. I even put a big brick <laughs> on, on the blue box. Like there was no way it was getting in. You know what the rat did? The rat chewed through the blue box, a baseball size hole to get to the garbage bag. That's how menacing these critters are. Uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the green belt and uh, burial sites and cemeteries as well and what you should know. This is the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Driving, not a 
And one last go round here on the Golfie Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Rob Golfie, sales representative, Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. Online, robgolfie.com is the website. That's Rob, G O L F I.com. And call the number one Remax team in Canada if you want to get your home sold. That's the Golfie team, 905 575 7700. Let's dive into the uh, taking a bite out of the green belt. The provincial government is. Uh, grabbing some land from the green belts to open it up for development of homes. Your thoughts on, on what's happening here? Yeah, I, I think it needs to be done, but I, I think, are, are they relocating different green belt areas? Am I correct yes. on that? They're saying, okay, we're, we're, we're going to lift it here, but we're going to add it someplace else. Correct. Now, where they're lifting it, a lot of farmers, there's some farmers out there, they just basically won the lottery uh, in areas that they're lifting it. And, uh, um, I, I think it needs to be done. And I know you were on the radio on, on uh, uh, Thursday talking to Mike Collins Williams mm-hmm. in regards to how many homes they actually have to build. I think in the next 10 years in in the Hamilton-Wentworth area, was it like 47,000? Is that correct, Rick? Yeah, yeah, something like that, yep. Yeah. So, I, um, I yeah, like I, I think they have to. I mean, they, they did it. I mean, we've been bringing people into this country for, I don't know, since people started settling here from from europe and it hasn't stopped it's been continuous and now we we're bringing more people in uh into immigrating into canada than people are having uh, i think babies i think right now or um so to, to keep the economy going we have to do that but also we need housing and i think they do have to lift the green belt and i know there's a big controversy going on uh about that there's people saying oh just let's just keep it tight infill. But uh, there, there's if they're going to keep immigrating people to this country for the next 200 years, they're going to have to lift lift uh, the greenbelt area every so often, and there's no choice of it. We just have to. I know Canada's got a lot of land. Um, you know that farmland is just going to keep getting uh, outside of the uh, urban area more and more. Uh, I don't know, Rick. It's just uh, it's been on the subject line for uh for a long time and because it's a subject line now it it's a crisis and they probably knew about this years ago but now it's come to a head right now yeah the thing the thing i come i keep coming back to is we have we do have a lot of infill green space in this city and many other cities in this province and you know my wish or it might be a pipe dream that you know let's let's tackle that in those areas first because we know that newcomers coming in um, and, and even people growing up and getting, you know, post-secondary education out of their belts or looking for jobs, those homes in the city are going to be much more affordable than the ones on the outskirts of the city. You got to, uh, you know, tack in transportation costs, all that stuff. It's cheaper for the city to infill in terms of infrastructure improvements because that infrastructure is already kind of there. Um, but I, I understand the necessity to grow outwards. It's an eventuality. And I feel for some of the farmers because, you know, they want to, they want to keep their farmland. Some, some do. Some, obviously, as you said, might want to win the lottery and get, uh, you know, a nice chunk of change for their land. Uh, we also have to make sure that we're not cutting off too much farmland because before you know it, we're going to be importing a lot of food as opposed to growing our own. And we don't want that kind of scenario. Uh, lastly, let's just tackle the burial sites and cemeteries. If you somehow are building a home and you encounter a burial site on your property, there's things to do, including number one, stop whatever you're doing and contact the authorities. 
Yes. If, if, if people do that, a lot of developers out there, that's, that's a nightmare for them. Oh, yeah. Uh, if they do, uh, uh, take up because everything is on hold after that for who knows how long. So a lot of times, uh, young new developers or, uh, builders, they're actually on site watching the bulldozer digging to make sure that if they do find something, they probably try to say, Hey, listen, let's just cover this up. Let's not talk about it because otherwise <laughs> everybody is, we're, we're going to, we're going to be stopping this project for probably who knows how long. So, but the thing is back in the old days, and I know we have much time back in the old days, people used to bury their families, especially on farms. Oh, uh, probably, they would yeah. have like a small little cemetery. And, but, but what they're saying, the, the, the government's saying like, listen, you got to take care of that little cemetery that's on your farm and you have to clean, cut the grass, take care of it and make sure it's, it's well taken care of because it is a little mini cemetery. And I bet you the more uh, you go out into the farm areas, you'll see little plots of uh, cemeteries on, on like a 500 acres or a hundred acres of land in the corner, in the back corner. Cause that's how they did it in the old days. They just said, Hey, this is our family farm and we're going to put, uh, put our, our, uh, cemetery out there. So when, you know, cause, cause they used to pass down the, the farm to the next generation. And so they wanted to have that cemetery on their property so they can go and, and pay their respects to their lost ones. Yeah. It was, it was their plot of land in more ways than one. A lot of uh, burial plots on that uh, parcel of land. Uh, we got to go and we want to remind you that you can listen to our show online through Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. Just search for the Golfy Real Estate Show in your favorite podcast platform. Hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening to the Golfy Real Estate Show. We're back next Saturday at nine on 900 CHML. The proceeding was a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified. The guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.